Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Bret Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. So, uh... For the two people here that don't know me, I am Mike Sansone. I'm kidding. Um, so uh, I've known Brett since we were what, fourteen? We yeah. met. We showed up for a practice, and then you saw me three months later at sure. Notre Dame because I didn't play for that team. Yeah. <laughs> the travel baseball team we're on, you did one practice. And I never saw you again. Yep. And then I saw you, um, what even, like, the freshman retreat? It's not even a retreat. What is that even called? Orientation? We did kickball. Yeah, I couldn't tell you anything that happened in high school. Yeah. Well, was, I have the memory of a goldfish. Nice. Yeah, but that was it. Freshman year, I remember saw you, and I was like, I know that kid. Yep. All I remember is being called Orange Shirt freshman year you were for orange about shirt. two months because I was good at gym class. What town, orange shirt. what town did you grow up in? Cheshire. Cheshire. Yep. So you commuted from Cheshire to uh, West Haven to, yep. go, to go to school. How yeah. far was that? Um, it was about forty minutes. Traffic could be right. a little longer. It's pretty far. No traffic. I can cruise through. You can get me in thirty. You can get there in twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> why did Why did you d- decide to go to um, Notre Dame West Haven? Um. So my oldest sister went to Cheshire. Um. Liked it. Actually, she liked it a lot, but uh, my two sisters after that both went to Sacred Heart, and so they had kind of just started moving out of the Cheshire school system, and so for me, it was kind of like a, I'm going to do that too, just because I didn't really, I don't know, I like Cheshire, but I kind of wanted to get out as well, so I was looking between that, Xavier, and East Catholic, because at the time I was playing with TCB, one of the coaches was at East Catholic. TCB on the Berlin Turnpike? Yeah, I'm not sure if they're still there. No, I honestly I grew up in Berlin, and they're not. They weren't there. Yeah. They are. They turned into like a CrossFit gym, but TCB growing up was like a big, um, obviously indoor facility and stuff. Like oh, I had yeah. like my ten year old birthday party there, and then we would train there like before the season started. But they had like their private teams and stuff, like travel yeah. teams. Yeah, TCB was huge. I have yeah. no idea what's going on with AAU baseball right now. Um, <laughs> I Grind. like here a little bit here and Grind, there. Grind, baby, that's all that matters. Yeah, but like everybody, like Grind was just starting when we were playing AAU, I'm pretty sure. Or they were just becoming more popular. Yeah. Because like when we had, when I was just starting AAU and we were just starting AAU, the big ones were like TCB, uh, CT Bombers, which I don't even think exist anymore. I've heard they, of them before. They fell off. Which wasn't though. Mike. I'm pretty sure Mike Wolfpack. was a CT Bombers guy. No, he was Wolfpack. He was Wolfpack. Wolfpack, Wolfpack, Wolfpack was, was massive. Yeah. The Dynasty. Dynasty, but like all the Dynasty ones that were big don't exist anymore. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how to run a business. Yeah, so I have no idea what's going on. They just tanked. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what I hear about a bunch of coaches all the time, right? They're really really good coaches into fitness, you know, well-liked by people, but financially and just, they don't have that vision, you know? They ain't got that sight. (laughs) They got that field vision. (laughs) That vivid vision. That LaShawn McCoy finding holes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, AAU was kind of tanked. Since we played, there's no like, I mean it's better now that um, that people are starting to figure out to pair up the athlete performance 
yeah. with with baseball. Like we tried to do that with the Gators, and that fell through. Core two, core two, yeah, core yeah. two. We gotta um, after we start bridging the gap between baseball and Jaffmore, we gotta start getting rid of fall ball. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'll be our next mission. Fall ball sucks. <laughs> I hate fall ball. Fall ball is brutal, especially in the Northeast. No one, no one has a good time. I'd be at first base with a hoodie. I'd throw the hoodie on, the jersey <laughs> over the hoodie. You got you're the, wearing like the quarterback thing. You're hood your up over the yeah. hat, and you're just like hoping the ball don't get hit. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's six o'clock. It's forty degrees out. <laughs> you're just thinking about what's for dinner. It's wind, it's wind chills. Hopefully, it's your good so episode of SpongeBob comes on when you yeah. get home. Yeah, like um, up in North Brantford, the Sportsplex, the fog that would roll in. Yep. Have you ever played those games at night? Where uh, Sportsplex is in North Brantford. And we had so many games either just get delayed or we played through it. Not smart at all. But the, there would be a massive fog rolling in in the outfield where I'm catching. And you can't see the outfielders <laughs> at all. The fence is only 300 feet away. Yep. So it's not even like they're like 400-something feet away. Like No, they're like a football, like 80 yards away from you. Yeah. And you can't see them. And I remember one of our POs hit an inside-the-park home run. It was an easy fly ball to center field. They like, just couldn't see the ball. Super lazy That's fly good. ball, and the outfielders couldn't see it, and it landed, and they had no idea where the ball was, and he's just trucking around the bases. Like, yeah, that's that's what fall ball is. Like, it's just a waste of time. Like, it just looks so stupid. Yeah, just the fall is the time to increase your bench press. No, the fall is the time to, yeah, I guess, and to lift. <laughs> and to lift. <laughs> fall bench press is. Bench press. <laughs> it's a lift. Time to lift. Yes. Yes. That's what we said. <laughs> Good lift. Speaking of lifting, go over um, how we used to train. Because high school, we were training partners the entire time. Yeah, it's the best training of my life. <laughs> Talk about it. Absolutely jacked. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, I just remember my first time lifting being with Notre Dame Track and Field. And we put 225 on a deadlift. And I did like 40 reps. Because <laughs> it was just supposed to be AMRAP. Because... <laughs> That was uh, who X Coach X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he just threw that trap bar out there, and I was like, all right, we're gonna cycle through AMRAP. And I was like, all right, did like forty reps, and everybody was like, trap bar, trap bar is so easy, bro. It's only you've been you've been deadlifting for five minutes. You can stop. I don't I don't know. You just keep going as many as I could. You were always. I remember. The going to um, the gym we went to and you lifting like for the first time I was lifting for a little bit more before you I kept it a secret and I, I kept more I kept it a secret of like <laughs> adding weight to his trap bar like I remember we were just we did like 315 or something and he did it much easier than I did and I Ah, shit, he's catching up. It's like he's he's gonna pass me, and then eventually he's catching he, up. I should have passed you. You should have passed me. You didn't tell me. me to put weight on. No, yeah, I, I like completely just didn't tell him to do any weight. I was like, and it's he, supposed to be easy. And he ended up trap bar well over, like two hundred pounds over, like what we. I got hit the five hundred club when we were sixteen. Yeah, yeah, your trap bar was ridiculous. Still is. How Couldn't, tall are you? Five seven and three quarters. We want to be exact with long arms. That's crazy, bro. How tall are you? Five nine. I'm five nine with stubby arms. It's not, not, not yeah, the best I deadlift. Them, uh, got them long arms. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why you have. Are you, are you being serious? Or are you yeah. being sarcastic? His arms are pretty long. long. Yeah, that's probably why you're good at deadlifting. Yeah, yeah. Short yeah. body, long arms. Yeah. My range of motion is about four centimeters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was a big, that's big. There's a big. It's huge. There was a big trap bar that we had, and Sansone pulled seven hundred on it. 
I mean, big it as in it was over seven. Big as in it was like It was like tall thick. one. The tall boy. Oh. It was like right at his knees. The one it was like above the knee. It's like above your knees. range of motion is literally six inches. Not yeah. not kidding. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Like the trap bar for me is just not like. I mean, the ones that upward are like short so like i can't really you can't put more than like 525 on or 515 or something with but, bands yeah and you have to use start bands, the bands yeah around. start wrapping the bands around but then it's just like even that like i did like 18 for that one time and it's like i mean yeah obviously doing 18 at, <laughs> 18 five. Reps at 515 man why is this so light <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i mean like it was obviously doing 18 was was a really good workout but it's so. like I gotta do 18 every time to get a good pump. He's like, can't count that. that. I'm doing 5 by 18 at 500 pounds. Why did I grow? What's going on? Yeah. So I'm just like, it's just not like, I don't know. It's just not in the rotation for me. I just don't, I don't like it as much. I, I always like the straight bar ones because I, I feel like they benefited my clean more anyway. Never cleaned. Yeah, you baseball players. Cleaned a little bit in college. Yeah. Just how, to, how was it on your wrist? Um, the wrist was fun. Actually, my wrist, I I started front squatting a lot, doing the normal instead of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Brett taught me this because Brett's soft and doesn't like mobility. Breast is Brett hates wrist mobility. Until Brett was 24, he didn't really focus on mobility. Brett's 23. Two weeks, two weeks. So, uh... It wasn't too bad, but I think the heaviest I ever went was 135 because I was in the why am I cleaning? Because our, our strength coach in college should be a football strength coach, but I think he is now. He switched he switched schools, but I they were very much into like the Olympic lifting, and so I always kind of just did my own thing, yeah. which they were fine with because we yeah. had a group of you, us. You, you were on the team with Mike Caruso, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he lifted with me at Powerhouse during oh, okay. during the COVID year, um, and I just remember him. He's another like he's like five foot five <laughs> catcher, dude's like jacked. I actually had a snap okay. Snapchat memory of him pop up, but yeah, like so when me Nevin and Jordan were in our first semester or first year training together, we trained at Powerhouse in New Haven because that COVID year was their freshman year when I I, I think we were seniors. It was fall COVID? of 2020 into the spring of 2021. A, I was a sophomore when COVID hit. And then that 2020 so, yeah, to 21, so, I was a junior. Okay. So that was your junior year then. Yeah. So that Mike trained at Powerhouse that year. Yeah. And I just remember him like having like practice and stuff and then just coming to Powerhouse after. And just, well, they wouldn't let us in the weight room. Yeah. Like so, you yeah. would get two 45 minute slots a week. And yeah. we were kind of like. Not that work. don't work. Yeah, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that doesn't fit they, our goals. Yeah, <laughs> that's not enough. And then we got don't go to outside sources, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go to outside sources. Yeah, um, but yeah. So he was a tank, but yeah. yeah, he lifted. He lifted a lot. Yeah, but like we, so it was me, Caruso, Trey, uh, another kid, Bryson Cafaro. I don't know if you know him. He's no. an Sony guy. Um, that group, and there were a couple others, uh, just from my class, Noviello, um, pretty much my whole class, Griff, Handel, like we, Justin, we all lifted, and so they kind of like knew we knew what we were doing, and we kind of were able to go in there whenever we wanted and do our lifts, and then the guys on the team that didn't lift or didn't like the lift or kind of just did the team lifts, they like cared about and made them do the lifts, but like, I'd go on Team Builder, 
this was today's lift, huh? 235, 225, 135. Oh, just just put in all the numbers to make them happy because they knew. Uh, they were just like, just put the numbers in, put the numbers in. We need like, the data. <laughs> yeah, we need the data. So uh, I just did my own lifts and then just plugged in the numbers at the end of every workout. Usually I was stretching and doing mobility while our team lifted and then they left and I lifted. So <laughs> that, was, that was my college lifting. Nice. Something that I think we should note, like how we used to train in high school, and like even how you train now, is like not really baseball specific at all. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lifting is completely optimal. <laughs> Move as much weight as you can, as much as you can. Exactly. Yeah. And deadlift five times a week. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Man, it's only deadlifting five times a week if it's the same deadlift. Yeah. You had straight bar, trap bar, straight leg. Sumo. Sumo. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't just deadlift, they're variants. They're all variations. Yeah, yeah. I, I I loved how we used to train. I remember you got that one Cressy program and you did it for a week and you're like, yeah, I can't train like this. And I was like... Because I got, well, I'm at the point where we've done so much that I'm so like overloaded lifting that I do a program like that and it's kind of like... I almost feel like I'm getting weaker <laughs> because it's I'm not I feel like I'm not doing anything. So like yeah. for me, that's always been a thing I struggle with too because yeah. like I want to do a lot, but then like I gotta slow down a little bit. You still need to deload. Your body needs to actually catch up to what you're doing, and I don't really like to let myself do that. I need yeah. adversity. Adversity. How <laughs> about gritty? I'm like to slow down. Here. My body needs rest. No, thank you. <laughs> but. <laughs> But that's something I realized when I got to the complex last year at the race is that like I knocked down my lifting a bunch because they had us going like three days. I was lifting like two or three days a week and it was light lifts like, you know, more just movement and keeping strength. And I was up to I hit 90 like six or seven times. I had never hit 90 before. So I was like, all right, maybe there's something to this whole, you know, slowing down a little bit. <laughs> um, and then I think I slowed down too much. Um and then during the season, like, I was barely lifting. It was just impossible to lift all year. Just with our situation, we had weight room. We didn't have weight room times. I couldn't get in. I didn't know when I was ever throwing. So I really wasn't lifting a lot. And we things break. So I got hurt twice. And then... What would you hurt? Uh, I had a shoulder thing going on for about a week early in the year. I... Uh, I went to extended spring training and then got pulled up about a week into the minor league season. And I, through my first outing, went two innings, threw really well, got a win. Second outing went really well, I threw like four or five days later. Uh, two innings, got a save. And then I was in a position where our pitching coach was like, all right, you're the fireman now. You're a fireman. So I threw three games in a row where I got hot in the bullpen, didn't go in. And then I had two games where I was off because then they sent me to Bowling Green for two days because they ran out of pitching, had no pitchers left in their bullpen. Me and another kid went up. And it what was, was that, Triple A? Uh, high A. High so a. I was in low A with Charleston, went up to high A for a couple of days. So they're like, they literally have their starter and not a single arm in their pen today. Me and another kid go up. So I'm about seven days out from throwing a game. We go up to Bowling Green. We leave at 6 a.m., actually 5 a.m. We leave. We get there, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, head over to the field. Game gets rained out, so I don't throw that day. Next day, we go to the field, play catch in the outfield. 
They go two starters, because they had the starters from the day before I started for that game. Go whole game. We don't throw again. They tell me I'm going back in the morning to Charleston. I leave at 7 a, 6 a.m. again, and I don't get in until 10.30 that night. Don't throw again that day. So now I'm 11 days out of throwing. I had it, I've thrown once in the last three days, and I threw the next day, like, 45 pitches. Shoulder flared up. I was like, all right, this doesn't feel good. Threw another outing three days later, threw, like, another 50 pitches, and then was, like, just dealing with pain. And I was like, our trainer, when I went to our trainer, I was like, Haley, like, it'd be nice if I got some days off. I'm not hurt. If he needs me to throw, I'll throw. Because I didn't want to say I'm hurt and get sent down to complex. Cause that's the thing. If you get hurt, you usually get sent to complex or you miss a bunch of time because they have to go through protocols. So I was like, I'm good. If he wants me to throw, I'll throw. But, you know, it'd be cool if I got some days off. <laughs> so she kind of got me, like, she got me a few extra days off. So I think I went six or seven days off. Felt fine again. But then from there on, it was like I threw once every, like, seven days. Like, starters were throwing before me. Guys in the bullpen were leaping me. So I really wasn't throwing much, so I couldn't figure out a lifting schedule. And so I'm doing that for maybe two months. And then eventually, right around the All-Star break, we, yeah, right at, right at the All-Star break, I threw three extra innings. So every inning, we're running on second base. I threw 62 pitches that day. I hadn't thrown more than like 25, 30 pitches in three weeks. And I threw 62. All with a guy on second base every inning, so high stress innings, every high stretch pitches, not pisses, pitches, and my elbow started to just flare up, and I was like, "This doesn't feel good." Through two outings with it, and I actually threw really well those two outings, which were my last two pro outings. I went eight innings between or four innings between the two outings, eight strikeouts, it was like eighty-seven to eighty-nine, but this was killing me, and so we had the and I we had the all-star break right after those. So I was like, I'm going to throw, get myself three days off, I'll be good. So I'm used to doing. If I ever had soreness or pain, took a couple days off, I was always good. So I've never, fortunately, never had to really deal with injuries. I've always been a healthy person. I've always thrown a lot, but I've always been healthy. And so three days are up, I come back to the field, I'm throwing, flared right back up. I was like, this just isn't it. Went to our trainer, I was like, my elbow's not feeling great. She was like, what? I was like, yeah. So did some work, missed nine games. Uh, did nine games, you know, did like a mini rehab where it was, you know, I could throw a fastball, change up cutter, no pain if I threw a slider. Eh. So I was like, I'll live on three pitches for the rest of the year. Got cleared three days later, got released. And then it was just months of trying to start stopping, getting an MRI, getting that pushed back three weeks and figuring that out. All to just find out it was a flexor strain, and I had tendonitis. So it took two months to figure that out. Actually, three months to figure that out, and then start rehab and recovery, and now I'm finally throwing baseballs again, which I threw a bullpen today. Yeah, I think that's a, the complicated thing about the elbow is that it could be so many different things, too. Yeah. You know, it's like when I was talking to my Tommy John story, I had, <clears throat> I had a torn UCL for like a year and a half before I realized, before I got an MRI, because yeah. I was just used to the elbow. I was opposite of you. I always had elbows. <laughs> I was like, man, my elbow be feeling funny. So, I guess I got to throw on it. <laughs> I ain't pushing it. Though. That's the issue. Dude, you got you to gotta get past the hump, you know? <laughs> just but, give me a couple of ads, though. A couple of M&Ms. Yeah, but like, that, was, that was my thing. It was like, at end of every season, because the thing, too, that 
I think is a big difference, especially with high school javelin throwers and um, some collegiate programs that might not get the best guidance is that there's no ramp up like baseball players, like baseball players. You will like, you know, throw a lot through the whole off season. Yeah. Or like some of you, like correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, you, you start with like a certain amount of pitches at a certain amount of intensity Mm -hmm. or just throwing in general. And then you ramp up to the point where like by the season you're ready to throw a hundred pitches at like, you know, max effort intensity or whatever, if you're a starter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a two, three month process yeah. where it's all right. I'll throw, you know, you got a month of just building up throwing and then it's all right. Now we get off mound once a week. Now we get off mound twice a week, yep. 20 pitches, 30 pitches and you build up. Yeah. yeah. And so like in javelin in high school, at least like you get a guy like, like me who I was strong, right. Because I played football and I had that similar background to you guys like training really intense, but throwing was only a two month out of the year thing for me and the javelin's like two and a half pounds yeah so it's like that was like a recipe for disaster it was because (laughs) there was no no ramp up at all no mobility involved it was all just power and a heavy implement that's a spear and then like the elbow just gets lit up where that's where i think that like the javelin world could take a lot of like benefit from baseball is like having that ramp up and like starting with the lighter implement and building your way up because like going from nothing all year, ten months, and then basically a couple practices, and then you compete with a two, like a two and a half pound spear or whatever is like super drastic. But yeah, like I mean, for me, it took me like a year and a half to figure out that my elbow was torn just because like I was always used to that soreness. Um, but what do you think that like what have you like done for like rehab and stuff to get it to this point now? Like, is it feeling better and stuff or? Yeah. So. Uh... I went to a, it's a PT and performance facility down in Fort Myers, X3. Um, they do a lot of combine training for football guys, and they're starting to get more baseball involved now. And so I went through five weeks of three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and it was a lot of just grip strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so their thing was, you know, the tendinopathy, they like to try and flare it up. So it's what can we do to, you know, get it to spark up and feel, you know, a little bit of that tightness. And that's how we're going to work it out, build the strength back, work out that tendinopathy. And he was like, you know, three, four weeks, the pain should go away. So we were deadlifting because the deadlift, you know, just that pulling there yeah. was causing that to flare up probably the most. Um, so we're deadlifting, doing forearm strengthening stuff, farmer's carries, uh, chin-ups, pull-ups. Just that really anything where you were just loading some kind of weight into the forearm and so really building up the grip strength and so right at the first day of week five i was deadlifting and he was like and so until that time it'd be like you feel it and i'd be like a little bit and each week got a little bit better loaded up a little bit more and it got delayed 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 and then that first day of week five i was deadlifting and he was like how's it feel and i was like oh yeah it's good so yeah, like I kind of just forgot realize, it even like, existed because yeah. it felt fine. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so it sounds like this place was like a rehab place, but it had like, you could actually move like good weight there too. Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm training there now. So okay. like I go in so. there to lift. Um, so it's basically split. So half the half the room is PT tables and then yeah. PT guys. And then half the room is uh, like like weight, weight room. racks, weight rooms. They have trainers. And then you have a turf for, I think they have like a 40-yard turf. On the side. Yeah. yeah, X3, you said? Yeah. Yeah, they have a ton of uh, NFL combine dudes yeah. go in there. 
They like dominated the forty this past year. Really? I saw them on Twitter. There was a story yeah. about them. They just they said they got like eighty guys down there. To yeah, train, they're which training is coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, their training's they're legit. Like they got the timing systems. They got like the force plates and all the data and the ramp up pro- uh, progressions to like crushing the forty. They had some dudes like run four threes, like high four twos. They I don't even know how many people they had. Um, well, top. I think they're like out of the top 10 40s. I think they had like seven of them. They have a decent amount of pro guys. Um, Darnell Mooney, mm-hmm. I, I think it's Darnell Mooney, is one of their guys. Um, Alec Ogletree, the Indianapolis tight end, he was one of their guys. Like, they have just a bunch of banners of their NFL guys. So they got a bunch of those guys. Um, and they got some MLB guys in there too. Um, there's Chris Mazza, who was in the bigs for a couple of years. Um, him and Josh James, who's a Houston pitcher, he was in the big leagues for a couple of years, both doing rehab and lifting. Um, so they're starting to build that side of it too. Yeah, X three always look like more of um like a football gym. It's cool to see that yeah. they have more baseball players in there too. It's just I know from like being in the baseball world, the training is like pretty soft in comparison to like what a lot of people want or like what you yeah. want to do. I think it's getting better. I think that's like the whole point of this is like trying to see how what we can take from like how javelin player how javelin throwers train and see like what works and doesn't work for baseball yeah. guys. But like Max Scherzer like wants to barbell back squat and barbell bench yeah. all the time. Like you're gonna tell Scherzer he can't do that because yeah. it's not like optimal. Like well, you have guys that like to lift and you have guys that don't like to lift. Yeah, the people and the people I, in the DR do not like to lift. Well, <laughs> that that's that's a misconception. Do they? The Latin guys love to lift. Latin guys don't know how to lift. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they've really been taught how to lift. They all, show, they, they all show up with like all like the flashy stuff. They got lifting gloves. Oh my they're God. all wearing headbands. Like they all like, but they, but, like they don't, for them, it's a cultural difference. So like they see all those things and they think you're supposed to have that. So like they don't understand that it's like, those are just like, you know, Give propaganda, like yeah. things to just make money off of. So they yeah. don't really realize it. And then, you know, they'll go in there and they don't really know the movements and they're, they're just going in there to go in there. Um, which some, some of the guys kind of get it, but like they're coming from, so a lot of the guys you see are, you know, 17, 18 year old kids that have been signed with the Rays for three or four years already. We had one of our pitchers on Charleston was in the Rule 5 draft this year, which, if you don't know the Rule 5 draft, after your fifth year in minor leagues, you go into the Rule 5 draft and your team either signs you to the 40-man, you're protected, or if they don't sign you to the 40-man, any team, they go through a draft of all the fifth-year-plus guys, and teams can pick you, take you, and put you on the 40-man. We had a 20-year-old guy from, I think he was a Dominican, I could be wrong, but he was 20 years old, got rule five, which means he's been with the race since he was 15. So like a lot of these kids get taken, you know, they're, they're not even going to high school. They just, they literally go right into professional baseball. And so is that legal in the U S it's US. not in the U S it's <laughs> not. That's the, why they get everyone from the DR and then, um, the, from like the Latin American countries, the, the international, the international pool is really interesting because it's it's completely different from what we do. Completely different system. Um, so it's just, but yeah, you get all those guys where, you know, they're kind of just doing what they've been shown and, you know, they stay in 
that complex, and eventually when they come up into America, they come into the complex there, and I found that lifting really wasn't an emphasis. You have some teams where it is, some teams that it isn't. Every team, every organization is different, has different you know values and things that they target. The Rays is very analytical and pitching data driven. They're not very weight room driven. Um, one of our trainers that came over from the Astros, I would talk to him a bunch and he was like, Astros are super weight room driven. Hmm. Let's get you stronger, let's get you explosive. Said Jose Altuve was one of the most explosive athletes he's ever seen in his life. Dude's 5'6", five, 5'5". Five, five. I think he's listed as 5'8". He's literally 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, and he's like, I've seen that guy do like 45-inch box jumps, like moves weight. Like he is one of the strongest dudes I've ever seen. And so it's kind of just where you land that there's the emphasis on it. But with the Rays, it was kind of like, uh, we want you in the weight room getting stronger, but like we don't really want you overdoing anything. We don't want you overworking yourself. You know, it seemed more like maintenance lifting than building power and strength. When you had your... Um... <clears throat> Because I, I love what you're saying about, like, I think the, the different training styles, like, we see that in Javelin as well. Like you said, like, we have uh, we have a friend that is, like, very analytical, um, but he could, like, really, really benefit from just, like, getting stronger and, and just throwing further. And, like, that, then me on the opposite hand where, like, I was kind of similar to you guys where I wasn't always optimally training for Javelin, like, <clears throat> because my weight room sometimes like hindered me because I was so much that way. But like, um, when you were having your, your hip or not your hip flexor, but your tendon flexor here, um, did you ever do any like soft tissue or deep tissue work on it? Or was it all just grip yeah. strength and stuff? We did some deep tissue. Um, we did the scraping. No, oh, the grassing. Um, yeah. Which I found to be the most beneficial. Um, but even now, so I've started, I sometimes like I'll self, Crassin, take a butter knife, some lotion, mm -hmm. and just, you know, kind of just move in, dig it out, and just get the blood flowing, which I found is helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, me, I bought a Grassin tool off Amazon for like $10. Yeah, I just take the butter knife. <laughs> I just take the butt of the butter knife and just get in there. Um, but we, yeah, we were like two weeks in, maybe three weeks in, and he was like, I want to do it prior to lifting. And so we did the Crassin mm. right before lifting, and then I went into it and actually felt better. Yeah. Um, so just that initial, you know, warm up, get the blood flowing a little bit, I think helped. Yeah. Um, yeah it's the same, almost like that shock factor. Yeah, it's the same idea of like why people like to foam roll before they get into... That's the like, most important part of my day. <laughs> like that's the whole like idea of it is like you foam roll to like suppress the central nervous system a little bit, like to feel a little bit better. And then when you get into your mobility work, like you don't feel as restricted. Yeah. Like, but people like, it, they do go a little bit too far down the rabbit hole of foam rolling where... Like, I was at Cressy's, and some pitcher had a 45-minute rollout routine. I've, like, it I've took 45 people, minutes for him to roll out. Like, I've dude, you don't need that much. Like, they spend literally, I think it's like 60 seconds on the right hamstring, 60 seconds on the left hamstring, and it's every body part is 60 seconds of rolling, and it's like, all right, you're 20 minutes into rolling. It's like you haven't moved at all. You're just rolling. Like, I go out I there. I literally, I only use the foam roller for that one exercise where you get a T-spine yep. foam roller up the wall just to get my, like, armpit lat muscles and then that's it it's the only yeah. thing i use foam roller i really for. get my my hip flexors like before i have to sprint like i'd roll out yeah. like my upper quad and my hip flexors you ever do actually about it. i've done the one too where like you ever get the one where you get your like your hip on the wall and then your elbow on the wall but then your hand is off with the foam roller 
Then you're no. pressing into that one's sick. I like that one a lot because I feel, I feel like a really good like elbow like stretch and separation. It yeah. kind of helps work on hip shoulder separation too because you're like here, in that position, and then you're like putting pressure into the wall. Yeah. Tread Athletics posted about it one time, um, but yeah, I think it's funny too though because I literally had the opposite issue with my forearm as you like I was telling you about with my elbow. It was the same thing because after my Tommy John surgery. I had a lot of tightness at the incision points. Yeah. So, like, the tricep incision, like, my elbow stopped hurting here. It was the tricep incision was, like, from a tight tricep from, like, lifting and stuff and, like, also throwing on top of it. And then really, like, pain at the the incision point on the forearm. And that was where, like, my grip strength was, was weak, but it was because I was, like, it was, like, too tight. Like, my forearm was just, like, too tight. And I did a lot of, um... I did a lot of the same stuff as you with like mostly like that um the deep tissue work was what like really broke it up was because like I could get stronger in the forearms as much as I wanted but if that was just causing me to get more tight then it wasn't gonna do anything so it was like I needed to like obviously improve the strength but get the get the forearm like more mobile and pliable and stuff because otherwise it just like had no benefit yeah I've done for two, three years now, I think two or three years now, I actually do like soft tissue work on my forearm. So I'll go, I have like a hand roller and I'll roll out my bicep and top of my forearm. Um, I didn't take science or anatomy or, oh man, you knocked it over. Lock in, lock in. <laughs> but like I didn't take science or anatomy or any of that. One, I wasn't good at it. Great two, class. What was your uh, major? <laughs> I was communications. Um, but so you know, every everything's connected. Major everything runs through here. Okay, you know. Yeah. But everything runs through here, and so I learned from one of my teammates from my freshman year, who's with the Diamondbacks, Austin Pope. He was like, they have us roll out top of the forearm and the bicep, because if those two are tight, it's going to be yanking on your on your UCL. It's going to be causing forearm tightness. So for three years now, I do that before I throw. Yeah. And so I do the soft tissue there, soft tissue there, just roll it out, and I mean outside of this year i never had you know i've never had you know elbow problems yeah and this was the first year and i really draw it up to the fact that i wasn't lifting consistently i'd gotten weaker and yeah you said weak things break your schedule was also jacked up like you were like doing not having consistent sleep schedule so your circadian rhythms all jacked well, I, up. i was consistently sleeping it was just it was just know, like having to wake up at know, five one a.m to uh like 10, 10 a.m. You know, that was my sleep schedule. I, I got my eight hours. It was just, you know, not, it was instead of that eight hours, it was that eight hours. Yeah, but you're just like, you're traveling a lot. Like, you're, it's like a high stress of like not knowing if you're going in, you're getting hot, and then you're getting taken out. Like, you're not going in games. Yeah. You don't but, know if you're playing. Yeah. The then situation. And then, the, and then, even if you thought of it or not, like, there's always going to be that stress. Like in the back of your mind of getting released or like not performing, like, like you're not nothing's nah, guaranteed. Nothing. Like subconsciously, like nah. your body's like it's a see, stressful I, See, when I got released, I was big shocked because I didn't have that thought. I didn't <laughs> think there was. I mean, I was throwing well. I wasn't throwing as well as I wanted to, but I still had like a three four when I got released during the season. Overall, my professional career, I had like a two nine ERA. Like I, I had I think eleven strikeouts per nine innings. So like I was throwing well. And so I was still like, I can be doing better. So in my mind, it was like, I'm doing well, and I can be doing better. Like, I'm in a good position. 
I didn't think there was any chance I was going to Like, when they pulled me into the office, I was like, God damn it, I'm going to Sarasota. Like, <laughs> I was pissed off because I was like, I'm going back to the complex. I'm going to leave Charleston. And then he hit me with it, and I was like, oh. Yes, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, Do you think yeah. if you were six foot, you would have got released? I think if I could throw low 90s, I wouldn't have got released. Yeah, you think that? I that's think if I had signed for money, I wouldn't have got released. I think it was the, you know, they liked what I could do. They thought I was a good pitcher, but at the end of the day, they needed to get rid of people to make room. I wasn't throwing. I threw mid to upper 80s, and I was worth $20,000. So, at the end of the day, when they were looking at the list of who do we cross off, who do we send home, it's, well, he hasn't thrown in a month. We need room. He's worth $20,000. They chalk it up to, all right, yeah. next investment. Yeah, and you know, day, if, it's all if, business at the end of the day. If I was day. worth half a million dollars, I'm getting I'm getting a couple of years. Even if I had a 10-year i I'm getting a couple of years in. Yeah, just like see how you develop. Yeah, which so, they can't just waste the money. They, yeah. they need to yeah, give they you a chance. Yeah, already. Exactly. Yeah. What, um... It's got to go up the table. I went down to the Doge Court. They thought I was going up. I went They're like, come on, come on. I was got to hit. It's got to hit. I was their Doge Coin. It's exactly that's how that's how they it's a business. Like, Meanwhile, exactly they got Am, they got Amazon plummeting. Dogecoin's going up. Nah, <laughs> we gotta drop our five dollars of Dogecoin. Yeah. Don't want to do it. But gotta do <laughs> it. Gotta, gotta make the ends meet somehow. So, uh, what's what's next for you? Like, what what's what's the process like after this? Like, do you have an agent that you work with? Or? Yeah, um, my agent. I've actually known him for a long time. Um, my dad's friends with his dad. Um, I just known him literally since he was born. His name is Parker Barnell. He's from Cheshire. Played baseball at Fordham. And then a couple years, three, four years ago, moved out to L.A. Some of his friends from school had started an agency, so he had been working to get his license and everything, so now he's working out of there. And so the process is month by month, basically. So I got released, and a week later, I was talking to the Orioles, almost signed there. It was, I sent in my paperwork, got everything transferred over so they could see medical history, cleared, whatever. And it was between me and another kid, pretty much. And the other kid was double A, maybe some triple A time. Um, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. They went with him instead of me. And so I've had teams interested that, you know, Parker's talked to. And at this point, it's, it's literally month by month. So... When I got there in, when I got to Florida in August, I spent a week where it was kind of just limbo period. I wasn't doing anything because my arm had been bothering me. So I was in, if I'm cut, I'm shut down mode a little bit. Let me get healthy. And then a weekend it was, the Orioles are interested in signing you. Started throwing a little bit for three, four days. That fell through. And I shut it down again. I was like, all right, let me take a couple weeks off. Had Amy Balls reaching out every day to me, to him seeing if I wanted to finish the season there, and I was kind of like, I'm not going to go play indie ball just to keep injuring myself. If it's an affiliate, I'll get through the year. I'll do what I got to do. I'll get through the year. But indie ball, I wasn't going to play. And then I was like, all right, you know what? 
let me, because then I started getting winter ball opportunities. So winter ball starts November, and it's all over the world. Um, so the two I was looking at was Australia and Puerto Rico. So it was, okay, I'm going to go do that in the winter. Let me get to drive line. Let me take a month off. I'll get healthy. I'll head out to drive line, build up, build some velo, go to winter ball. Started my build up, flared up. So I was like, all right, let me see what this issue is. Let me push everything back a month. Maybe I'll go to winter ball halfway through the season, do drive line, go halfway through the season, go to the doctor, get my MRI scheduled for like four or five days later, show up to the MRI. Um, your doctor never submitted the MRI order. I was like, um, great. MRI like, yeah, suck, like, huh? Yeah. You're <laughs> great. Big league. Big league. And so they were like, yeah, let us call, see if they can do it. Yeah, they closed 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So, all right, when's your next MRI? We got one in two weeks. Awesome. There goes another three weeks. And so I was like, all right, now we're back another month. Got the MRI four days later, whatever it is, normal MRI time for results to get in. Got the results, and it was, all right, you got tendonitis. And I was like, all right, let's see how quickly we can do this. Maybe two or three weeks. Get to PT, and it's, all right, we're going to do this four to five weeks pushed back another month. And so it's just that constant process of being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, more so because of this. But now I'm finally, you know, I'm not going to do winter ball. I just I don't have enough time to build up to do it. But I'll do driveline. So I'm going out to Arizona in two weeks. So I leave, I drive back down to Florida on Friday morning. I'll be there. I'll get there Saturday. I'll have Saturday to either Thursday or Friday in Florida, start my drive to Arizona. I'll get there. First day is December 4th. Are you driving all over the place? Hell yeah. Why don't you fly? I need my whip. Are you using your car when you're there? Yeah. I ain't got money. I gotta work. <laughs> Which I ain't working. But we'll find work. When I get to Arizona, DoorDash, Instacart, maybe work at a golf yeah. course. That, gotta make ends meet. Is that, um, is that popular for a lot of minor league baseball players to get second jobs and stuff? Yeah. In second off, off season? So now, it's it's been a... Minor League Baseball in the last two or three years has been super different because it used to be, you know, you make maybe five grand a year, ten grand a year playing minor league baseball, depending on what level you were. So you didn't make money. And so they just had the whole unit. Minor League Baseball unionized last year, I think two years ago they unionized. And so now they're... Now they're covered by the MLBPA. Mm. And so what that did was guarantee housing for players by the team, guarantee meals for players by the team, and it increased pay. But in doing so, it also reduced jobs. So you used to have, my first number's gonna be off because I don't know the original number. I think it's 200 people in the organization. They cut it down to 185 this year. And it was like a firm 185 because they used to be loose with it. Like you could have your number, but like if you had more, it's okay if they're not on rosters, whatever. But now it was, this year was 185, firm 185. So spring training was a bloodbath. Guys were getting cut like crazy. This year is 185. Next year it's 165. Yeesh. So this year, same thing's going to happen. I and mean, that's you've over the teams. course of the 40 man, the yeah. three levels, and then the two under that, which is what you're in. Uh, yeah, so you have your complex, which it used to be rookie ball, rookie ball A, rookie ball B, 
complex, low A, high A. You used to have like eight, nine levels of baseball. Jeez. Which now, in the next three years, four years maybe, it's going to be at complex, which will just be rookie ball, A ball, double ball, double A, triple A. So that's going to be it. At some point, they'll move to just four because with 165, they're trying to remove the rosters, make it a little bit smaller, um, which and pay guys more. So now the pay is, you know, I think I made, I was two months out, got cut two months early, and I think I still made like fifteen thousand dollars this year, which and had housing paid for, had food, two meals a day paid for. So in comparison to what minor league baseball used to be, this was a luxury. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you still see guys in the off season. Majority of guys will do lessons, some kind of training. Um, you get a ton of guys doing, uh, you know, like sponsor work. So they work with brands, make money that way. But yeah, you have a lot of guys. Back to the original question, you have a lot of guys, you know, doing side yeah. jobs and making money on the side. Yeah, that is crazy too because um, I see another like parallel there with like javelin is because, I mean, there's not nearly as many javelin throwers in America as there are. Um, as there are baseball players, obviously. There's probably, like, 30 actually good javelin throwers in the country um, that are at, like, the professional level. But what's crazy is that because there's such, like, little funding in it that, like, even our, like, best guys in America, they work, like, pretty much, like, part-time or full-time jobs, and then they do javelin, like, as they're, like, after after school job or whatever yeah. like cause a lot of them like oh like substitute teachers or their coaches or whatever and then they train like after work or whatever like and it just that's just how it is because there's just like no funding and so i think that's like a you know when we're talking like strength and conditioning and training and competing like that's like a big part of it that not a lot of people i think factor into the equation a lot of the times is like a lot of these guys like, yeah we're in our 20s we've been doing it for a while like but, like, now, like, when I'm training for jab or whatever, it's, like, I'm doing it on top of, like, working, like, three jobs, basically. And, like, yeah. hustling all the time and, yeah. like, being married and trying to provide for my wife. And, like, you, like, you know, you're doing it and you're trying to make ends meet and trying to, like you said, like, you know, not get cut and stuff like that. Um, and And just, like, you know, you have that balance all the time of, like, am I going to pursue this dream or do I want to, like, go make money or, like... You know, you're always like contemplating yeah, with there it. There was there is a guy at Crescent. I just remember talking to him, where he's about he's like 27 or 28. He's been in and out of the league, like bouncing around. My and, future. And he was like, because at that point it's tough, because like it's your dream, like as a kid growing up, like professional baseball. That's it. But and he goes, I got this like great job opportunity. Like I don't know if I should take it or pursue baseball. And I was like, How much is the job going to pay you? And he's like, like a little over six figures. And I'm like, dude. How much is baseball going to pay you? I, dude, oh, I was like, I was, I was like, dude, do you even like training for baseball anymore? And he's like, no. Like, so it's a job you hate that you're doing just because you just, that's all you know. You've done it your whole life. And then, but this job is like going to pay you triple. And he's like, yeah. He's like, 
you made this really easy. <laughs> like, Thanks, and man. Then he, he bagged baseball and asked me for powerlifting. Because <laughs> <laughs> he paid for the month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately bagged it. you bagged it. 10 seconds. Bagged it. And he's like, she started bench pressing again. <laughs> like, started doing chest flies. Like, he was like doing full meathead stuff. Brett, Did, <laughs> didn't even look at a baseball while he was in there. Brett and left over like, 10 minutes later after telling him that and saw him benching three plates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, at that point, I was like, dude, you gotta just give it up, man. Like, you haven't touched over 85 since you've been here. Oh. And it's, and it's been hurt. Like, you, you've whoa, got, whoa, 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 whoa. No, he's, got, he's gotten up to, like, 93, 94 when he was, like, prime. Yeah. Like, dude, you haven't touched over 85 without pain in close to two years. Like, you really think, like, yeah. stuff's gonna change for you yeah. in the next year? Like, you really, like, it's like the same thing is just gonna keep repeating. I was like, yeah. dude, at, at some point, you gotta just... Hang it up. Yeah. Like that's when you just become a coach at that point. If you really love oh, baseball, sure. it's yeah. like you just gotta go teach other people. But you gotta know like when your career's up. Yeah. That's what I mean. I like the kind of honestly the direction of like what you were saying that that the minor leagues is going because then it's like the guys that are in it, there's less of them, but they have like a higher quality of life. And then it's like the guys that are like not as like up to par yet. I mean, you might not get the opportunity, but it's at least like. It's kind of like quality over quantity type yeah. of thing, which there's, makes sense to me. There's still also a lot of movement between indie ball and overseas. Yeah. Um, so every year, I mean, you get guys re-signing out of indie ball, so they play an affiliate. Um, if they get cut, you know, a lot of guys go into indie ball, and a lot of them, I wouldn't, eh, I'll rephrase that. Not a lot, but, you know, guys see action going into indie ball and coming back in. So, you know, even with, the lower rosters, you're still going to get that movement. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's better off with, you know, the added quality of life. It's, yeah, the numbers make it harder to get in. Numbers make it harder to stay. But at the same time, it's really difficult to have another 40 guys and not make money. Mm. You know? Japan. At the end of the day, you you really want to do it. But, like, if you're stuck in minor leagues for six, seven years, and now you're you know, 27, 28 years old, yeah. and you got $50,000 to your name, that's a whole different move, and now you have to start a whole new career once baseball's over. You know, it's a whole different challenge than if, you know, you get pushed out of baseball after six, seven years of minor leagues. Now maybe, you know, you have double what you would have had. You know, you're in, you can fall back on six digits in your bank account, something like that, and be able to be like, all right, I can hold my own. I've been able to build some kind of life. I can start, you know, this next chapter, whatever it is. Um, so it definitely makes it harder to be in the league, but I think, you know, it's it's worth it for the added quality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's the whole point too. It's the best of the best. Like it should be. Yeah. It should be harder to get in. And no, no people... other sport has the amount of players that baseball. Yeah, it's has. ridiculous. It's, I mean, there's so many. NBA has what one or two levels under the NBA. Not even. They have the G League. The NFL has a G League is over. Yeah, the NFL, NFL practice, practice squad. squad or you're on the roster. Yeah. So, like, all of these places, you that's don't have five subsections yeah. of your one team. It's a, that's what I was saying, like, with Japan and, like, overseas in China, like, with basketball. It's like Emmanuel Moutier, I think, was in the league for a little bit in the NBA. He got paid, like, the minimum for when he was a rookie. And then re-signed to China and got paid triple. And he's like the all-star over there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Then, Guys will go for minor leagues overseas and make six figures. Yeah, so it's like like there's there's definitely a lot of opportunities in overseas, like, inter- like internationally. 
And like Japan baseball, I feel like it's just exploding. Yeah. Now that because Trevor Bauer's over there, like mm. he's big on the it's social always, media. Japan, Japan's always been the second biggest league. Their, their their professional league has always been second behind the yeah. MLB, which it's still the MLB is the MLB. You're never gonna touch that. But I mean, guys, I'm pretty sure you have seven figure guys in Japan. Yeah, for you sure. Know, especially Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer's making money. So there's routes around that too. So like Wander Franco. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, He's your boy, bro. He's a Rays boy. Man. <laughs> I uh I don't I don't know if he's playing much baseball anymore. Um Yeah. You know that, what happened to Franco? No. Oh, we don't talk about it. He likes when they're on the clock. Yeah. He's a his his dating profile on on those apps aren't aren't set to age ranges that are appropriate. But he uses black market dating profiles. Yeah, he's in he's in Japan now. Or he's somewhere. Oh, but yeah, I mean, for me, like. Do you think three, Trevor Bauer's ever coming back to the MLB? I don't. Think I, he, I think he is. I really. I think you'll see him sign. I think he should. I sign think he somewhere. hates the MLB so much that he won't. No, if you get an, an opportunity to get back in the MLB, he's taking that really, really quick. Yeah. Um, I would, cool YouTube video. I wouldn't be surprised if he does resign. Got him on the pod. <laughs> hey, Trevor. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he resigns somewhere, but at the same time, if he doesn't, I also wouldn't be surprised. Um, which is just, that, that's an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Poor guy. I mean, well, he's, he's rebranded himself a lot just because of, he's built like, a huge brand. His, his brand's massive. Like, if you follow baseball, you know who Trevor Bauer is. Yeah. And he's, him, him and Eric Sims have taken Eric Sims the social crazy. media baseball by storm. Eric Cause Sims they, cause is those crazy. Two, well, those two do, they work together. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically, Trevor Bauer got pushed out of baseball and he was like, I'm going to go team up with Eric Sims. And now they just produce unreal content, which they, they talk to everybody. They, they do everything. Erickson's is awesome. I love Erickson's, and like, what was his like highest level? Minor leagues? Like, he didn't make it Did too high up. Leagues? Or was he just a JUCO he a, bandit? He was a JUCO bandit. He might have played a few years in minor leagues, but like, he wasn't really anything like. Yeah, he wasn't out of control. He, was, he never made it to the league. That's just like another thing with the social media world and like how crazy like, you can take it. Like, if you have a personality and you like the sport, just get a tripod set up and you do some stupid stuff like Kent Murphy. Never played, yeah. but like made a big brand about Remember it. When Eric Sims was throwing kettlebells, pull down. Pull down, that's the next well, jacket. Is, that, that, is that that big Asian dude? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know what you guys are talking about. That's a big Asian he rips, dude. Yeah. He, rips, he rips smelling salts and does like 315 power cleans and like rips the jammer like out of its socket. He pulled down a watermelon. He did pull, he did a, during COVID, was during COVID, during COVID right? he was like, he let's was see doing, how fast I can throw different fruits and vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> he threw a golf club, like the top end got like <laughs> yeah. 93. <laughs> he like whipped around. He threw a kettle. He pulled down a kettlebell. That's crazy. Like, he didn't. He didn't know uh, Eric Sims. He's, oh really? He's talked to him multiple times. I think he's like posted Eric, about him. Eric Sims literally went from COVID in his like ten by ten backyard with a concrete. He made concrete plates. Made his own gym with PVC pipe and built concrete plates to having like this massive facility that he has a whole brand in now. In That's literally crazy. two years. That's sick. Yeah. That's the dream. It is the dream. That's how I'm trying to be, bro. 60 meter PR, just viral javelin <laughs> guy. <laughs> you, got, you know what you got to do? Is you One gotta, year collegiate baseball, kind of. You got to start doing stuff, like going in full Greek armor and 
practicing the phalanx formation, seeing how far you can throw a jab out of there. <laughs> set, set up, set up like, set up like, uh, set up like a Persian out there. <laughs> just see if you can start hitting them. Yeah. I bet that. I bet the Spartans would have been fucking great baseball players. The Spartans. I wonder if you those mean, guys yeah, could throw some oh, jabs. Yeah, jabs. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Spears. Those guys have some strong UCLs. Jack, good bodies. <laughs> <laughs> those, those guys could play some sports. I wonder yeah. how many Tommy Johns the Spartan Warriors had back Dude, in the none. day. And None. if they, if if you did, you didn't tell anybody. You just wrapped it up. You're like, mm. hey, uh, you think you're still good to head out in the Phalanx formation? Yeah, man, I uh, popped some Advil today. <laughs> I got like 15 meters less, but it's still going. <laughs> like, just don't ask me to throw the spear. I can just go like this. <laughs> 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 Spartans. Oh. <laughs> Sansone, do you believe that mass equals gas? Obviously. Matt, mass... I, <laughs> honestly, I went through a mass equals gas phase my junior year of college. I went from... COVID hit, and I was probably, what, 175 pounds? You look terrible. COVID hit. And you still look terrible after you got to like Well, 200. no, because my freshman year, I lost... You know how they talk about the freshman 10, you gain 10 pounds freshman year? Yeah, freshman 15. Freshman 15. Well, I was the opposite freshman 15. I got into college at 180, and after my first week of college, I was 169 pounds. <laughs> and and I never got past 175 after that, and then COVID hit, and I was like, well, shit, let me put on some weight. It's COVID. So, we lifted at core two for maybe four hours a day. Yeah, that was... And, <laughs> yeah. and I ate like a monster, and that's probably the beefiest I've been in my life. We were jacked. We were pretty jacked. Because all we did was lift and eat. And play COD. <laughs> so much COD. <laughs> we did the throwing, so much did the throwing program too. I did the throwing program. So I actually put on like, I got up to like 185, close to 190 before COVID ended. So I put on 10 plus pounds, mostly muscle. And I think I added, no, no, no. It, it was after I got to school that oh, we got okay. fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I put on, like, 10 plus pounds, mo- like I said, mostly muscle, and then I added, like, four, three, four miles per hour to my fastball. Oh, so, sweet. like, when I got to junior year, I went from being 82 to 86 to being 86 to 89 my junior year. Oh, sweet. Um, so, COVID was fantastic for me, because I was also having a bad year, sophomore year. So, yeah, turned into a blessing in disguise, and then... I got to school at 185. My coach was like, make fun of me a little bit. He's like, can you still move? And then one day I like jumped for a baseball during catch play. And he was like, all right, you can still move. And then I pushed it to another level oh. <laughs> where I was like, well, let's see how big I can get. Right <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I got to 185, Let's really get it up, right? So by... By the fr- end of freshman or by the end of my junior winter, right, going into twenty one, I got up to like one hundred ninety, almost one hundred ninety five pounds. So I was in that one ninety to one ninety five in like January. I was moving weight. I was throwing the ball hard. I was okay. throwing the ball hard for me. For me. Yeah, for me. For all right. Upper eighties, and so I was like, all right, mass equals gas. Let's get to two hundred. <laughs> I was eating. <laughs> My diet in a day at school, I, oh, I wish I still had my fitness pal because I'd look it up. There were some days I had 6,000 calories. Pint of Ben Jerry's. Oh, 
I would have six eggs in the morning with like three pieces of toast, a muffin, chocolate milk, and like a banana or two. So many carbs. That, oh yeah, that was like my breakfast. I'd come, I'd like have like Quest Bar snacks. I'd come back, I'd have a protein shake, which was like the mass gain of protein shake. So there's like another like 500 calories right there, if not more. And then I'd have like two cups of rice with two chicken breasts or a pound of bison or something like that for lunch. Oh, yeah. And then I'd do the same thing for dinner, but every now and then I would eat a full pound of penne with a jar of sauce. And I would eat that for dinner. And that was like 2,000 calories. And then maybe three or four times a week I'd eat a pint of Ben Jerry's too. And so I went from like 190... To, I hit 200 in season, and I was big. They could have called me the Wario War Machine. I would waddle off the mound. And so they called me Wario. I'd go, wang! Wang, wang! And so I just... You ever play Wario Baseball? Yes. That's like that. You punch the mound, you turn out, you go, wang, wang, wang. And so that, that, that's what I was my junior year. So I was a, I was a big hoss. Um, <laughs> so that was my that was my junior year. I had a great junior year. So I was I was two hundred pounds, but I was I was chucking the baseball. I think I I was uh, first team all Mac that year. I uh, we went to a regional. That was our year when we won like thirty games in a row. Okay. Went to the Austin regional. Um, got walked off on. Got walked off on. Then I got the dub. <laughs> I got the dub second time around. Second time around. Knocked me down. Can't kill me, though. Yeah. Um, and then I went to the Cape. Had a great year in the Cape. And then it was like, all right, like, I'm not going to get picked up this year. Nobody really knows who I am. I just had a huge year. And so there was a little bit of talking with teams. And then it was the year after. I was like, all right, I got to have a good year. But, you know, back to the whole weight thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pumped up. And then it was like, after that, I was like, all right. I, I can't I can't keep this up. I, I was like, I gotta I drop that. over the water. Well, <laughs> 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 no, I got. I'll show you a video after this because I, I got some good stuff with the Wario content. <laughs> That's insane. Um, but yeah, then after I mean, in the summer I like dropped down to like one ninety, one ninety five. I was in pretty good shape, and now I'm like one eighty to one eighty five. I'm in that range, but. I'm in a lot better shape now. I'm probably in the best shape that I've been. Started doing a lot of cardio. Got two times a day. Two times a day. Wake Fast up. twitch. About 15 minutes on the bike. Just get the body going. Eat some breakfast. Lift. Throw. Come back in the afternoon. Rip like an hour on the bike. I was running for a bit when I wasn't lifting or doing baseball. Like when I was in that just lag period when I couldn't do anything. I was running because I was like, you know, let's just see how I can destroy my body. And just cause pain and misery because I was depressed <laughs> and so I was around like one to three miles a day just getting after it at like 7 8 a.m. in the morning um and dropped a bunch of weight but now I'm starting to put it back on so I've been like mid 180s I think my ideal weight would be 185 to 190 um on the leaner side still need a little bit of you know still need a little pouch. Kind of pouch yeah to have a little bit of fun but um that's always kind of been my take on yeah. it yeah well there you have it. Mike Sansone, mass equals gas. Just don't get too fat. <laughs> Warrior. You, you can get too fat. You got any closing remarks, guys? Oh, man. Closing remarks. Make it quick because I got to go to work. 
You got work? Yes, bro. Job number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Man's be traveling around this state. Um, not really. I mean, you know. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I mean, thanks really, for having <laughs> us on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on my podcast. Like, like I said, it was great to meet you guys. Um, it was great to meet you. Know, you too. It, it was nice that you know, just because you couldn't get Trey on, you know, you let the unemployed guy, you know, Come act on. like. He well, we know you had time, so. Oh, I got more than time. <laughs> I got more than time. Trey, Trey's busy, actually. You know, being a successful baseball player. Yeah, so we'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks.